If you uh, pause for a moment and you really look at your life as uh, I do, what is it that you possess that caused you to receive the kind of favor that God has given you? What in your life did you do that you look at all the blessings that you have enjoyed and that you presently enjoy? What qualified you for that kind of blessing and favor? The reality is, uh, this message titled, Make Your Opportunity Count, we know that the only logical answer that is the answer of truth is because of Jesus Christ, because of his love for us, because of his favor. I'm here to tell you that uh, uh, the church is not made up of a group of pristine, perfected individuals. Have you noticed that? We all have our quirks, and there are some that have had so many, they're a little quirky. Are you with me? All of us look back at our history and say, how in the world did I wind up here? It was all God. All of us have some area, if not areas in our lives, that are imperfect. And I'm confident there's more potential in this room now, the family of God, than any one person could imagine. I often wonder what God looks at when he looks at his most prized possession. What is that? Is it the, is it the planets? Is it the stars? Is it the wonderful oceans? And what is it? The reality is God's most prized creation is you. Those of you in this room, those of you listening online, I wonder what he thinks when he looks at you and then looks at his church and the potential that happens to be there. To know that we are the creation of God, not by an accident, not by mistake, but appointed by God to be born the day that you were born for a divine purpose to enjoy the supernatural presence of God. Two teams are going to play in a Super Bowl tonight and all the hype that is there. The average ticket is $4,636. So if you wanted to go and you just got a good five grand, you get in the door. That doesn't, that doesn't count the $15 hot dog you would have to eat while you were there. Or the $7 cup of Coca-Cola, no Pepsi, not Coke. It's Pepsi. Or in fact, the bag of popcorn that cost you $9. You, if you had all that, you could have went tonight. I'm glad you didn't go. I'd rather you give your money to missions than give you money to buy a $4,600 ticket. Well, there were a few left three days ago, 2,800 tickets left. They were going for a grand total of $2,700, a big discount. To sit there, you would be in the end zone way up in the nosebleed section, and you could say, boy, you know, wow, I paid $2,700 to sit up here, and I can hardly see the players out on the field. Here's what I know. God looks at that and says, wow, that will be the interest of America and many parts of the world, around the world, the great Super Bowl, 2019. But can I tell you that across churches in America today, when the altar call was given and one person came to faith, 
God looked at that and said, that's a far greater miracle than all the Super Bowls in the world. It's when a life that was lost, eternally damned, came to faith and now is eternally redeemed by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. How does all that happen? How do we enjoy that kind of favor? And what is our responsibility? Zechariah 4 says, it's not by might, it's not by what? Power, but by what? God's Spirit. God's Spirit working in and among us. And we share some encouraging words as the Apostle Paul is the theme of our sharing just a few minutes tonight. And here's what I want to bring to your attention. No one on either team is perfect. They just persevered. And I can tell you, I don't believe in luck, but there was one call in the playoffs that'll go down in the books. And it was unfair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't change the fact the team that did not get the right call is not in the Super Bowl, but the one who did get by with it is there. Do you know what I mean? Nothing is perfect. No one. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is no way under the sun you are perfect. Go ahead. No way under the sun. No way under the sun you are perfect. None. So here's what I know. Here's what I know. Think progress more than perfection. And so Paul writes in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul said, I have not attained the goal yet, and I'm not perfect. Satan will often place a guilt trip on us and make us believe that because we're not perfect and because that we sin in our life and because that sometimes we can't get some things correct and that sometimes we go back on our word and sometimes we may step out of line, the enemy often will cause and say to us, there's no way you're going to go to heaven. You can't get it right. You can't, you can't seem to bring pleasure to God because you're a misfit you make constant wrong decisions. And here's what I know. The devil will beat you up because you make mistakes. But may I suggest to you that the reason Jesus died is to help forgive our mistakes. Amen? And say you may not be perfect yet. My goal is not necessarily perfection, but it is progress in your life. Get up and pull yourself together and go again. And we fail. How many have ever failed in your life? How many failed today? That's right. Everybody raise your hand. Paul says the plan is not being perfect, but progress. The Wall Street Journal published an article entitled, Don't Be Afraid to Fail. He said you fail many times, although you may not remember. You failed the first time you tried to walk, no doubt. You almost drowned the first time you tried to swim. He said the first time you struck at a ball with a bat, you probably missed it more time than not. He said, the heavy hitters in today's baseball society who hit the most home runs, they failed a whole lot of times. R.H. Macy said he tried business seven times before his store in New York caught on. Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times, but he hit 714 home runs. He said, don't worry about the failure. Here's the deal. Worry about the chance you missed when you don't even try. Don't even try. I'm going to keep going. 
I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. You and I must understand that we live in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people. You see, when Satan can get us to believe that that only flawless people are appreciated by God, then it will impede our spiritual progress. We'll say, what's the use to try? I've failed so many times. I've made so many mistakes. What's the use to try? You look at your, your, your chart of right and wrong. You say, I've failed more times than I've made it. But you know what God is interested in? Will you get up and try one more time? Will you believe this time you'll do better than the last time? Come on, somebody, help me preach. Will you do things that you thought you would never do just by being persistent? You see, there are no perfect people, men or women. There are no perfect preachers. Say amen. Let me say it again. There are no perfect preachers. There are no perfect parishioners. No perfect Christians. No perfect churches, though this one comes mighty close. No perfect children. Come on. No perfect children. No perfect grandchildren. You're a little sluggish on that one. No perfect job. No perfect homes. You'd be surprised what God sees and God knows behind closed doors. Are you with me? You see, we look on the outside and you can look as cool as a cucumber and look perfect and beautiful. God looks in and says, well, you got a ways to go. I like this version of Paul's writing in Romans 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin, I don't understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do, not what I want to do, I agree that the law is good, and it is no longer I myself who do it. But he said, I've come to the realization, it's sin living within me. Well, explain that. You see, we can be redeemed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we live in a culture that's filled with sin. And God knew through his infinite mercy. That's why forgiveness is not just an initial act. Forgiveness is a continual process that we need forgiveness every single day. And if the enemy can back us into a corner and discourage us and say, look what you did, look what you said, et cetera, et cetera. I have seen people make mistakes before, but you know what I learned? They come around a whole lot better if you don't browbeat them, if you just love them. I love to write when I know there are individuals, particularly men, that are out of line, way out of line. I text them and I say, you know what? I'm just thankful you're a man of God because if you were not a man of God, you'd have done worse than what you did. You with me? Sure. Paul says in our text, but I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now there's a lot of palaver going on among the teams. One individual on the, on the Rams team said that the quarterback for the Patriots said, you have aged out. Hello? How old is he? 38? 41? 
How many say 42 and a 42 and a 43? How many agree with 41? All right. All right, he's 41. You've aged out. Wow. And then they say about the quarterback for Rams, you're too young. You're only 24. Is that right, Robbie? You're only 24. There's no way you can stand up to the pressure that a seasoned quarterback who's won six Super Bowls, who has a drawer full of Super Bowl rings, you can't do that. Neither side is perfect, but you know what they all have? Here it is, the will to win. You believe that? The will to win. And when I look at our life as believers, I say, God, my goal is not to be perfect, though it can be an extended goal. I just want to make it day by day, one moment at a time, and have the will to succeed in you. Amen? I'm not going to let my failure tag me and pull me down. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to hear that. There it is. Number two, the past will be a, you'll be a servant or a slave. The past, you'll be a servant to that or a slave. Paul writes, brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. No one in this sanctuary had a more spiritually devastating past than the Apostle Paul. No one. If you pulled his past up, and it's recorded there in Scripture of some things that he did, but when you look at that, he gives us courage and strength and says, now forget the past, which means intentionally overlook. Intentionally overlook. So what does your past look like? What were the big sins? Where were the errors? Where were the faults? Where did you fail? Look at those. The devil will keep playing them over and over and over like they do in Hallmark movies, over and over and over and over. But that's not what God wants us to do. The Greek here means fully forgetting, completely forgetting. And so Paul has an athletic race in mind when a runner would run past another runner he was instructed, don't look back. I, I pray if you watch any of the Super Bowl tonight, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a runner that gets loose. And he's running, but almost every single time when he gets into the red zone, how many know what the red zone is? All right. The red zone, is this right, Robbie? The last 20 yards, right? That's called the red zone. And when that runner's sprinting, here's what he does. He's running, and you'll see him every time almost look back to see if anybody's close. Now, they've been trained not to look back. They've been told not to look back. But there's something innate in human nature that says, I just need to look back. It was a, what was the woman's name? What was it? What did she do? She looked back. What was she told? Don't do it. 
Do you know why a woman looked back first? Because it would have been embarrassing for a man to look back first. Because men are spiritual giants. They never make mistakes. Now let me help you. How many remember the story of Adam and Eve? Whose fault was it for the failure in the garden? Whose fault? How many say Eve? <laughs> You're afraid, aren't you? <laughs> How many of you know that she may have listened to the lie, but old Adam was supposed to have backbone. He was supposed to be a spiritual man. And what did he do? Well, honey, if that's what you think we ought to do, then I guess we just ought to fail. Let's go have dinner over on the tree, okay? It was Adam's fault for the failure. And anything Lot's wife did wrong, it was Adam's fault. You all with me? Now I feel redeemed. So there be those moments that we look looking back. So here's what we know. When you look back, at yesterday, it divides your focus, slows your progress, opens the door to fear, fractures your concentration, and gives your adversary the advantage. So look back no more. You see, friend, you cannot do the best driving that you enjoy when you're looking in that mirror in reverse. The following words were written on the tomb of an Anglican bishop, 1100 A.D., in the crypts of Westminster Abbey. Here it is. When I was young and free and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. But he said, and then I matured and I decided I couldn't change the world and I thought I'll just change my country. But he said, over a period of time, it too seemed immovable. And he said, in my twilight years, I thought one last desperate attempt, I will change my family and impact them but then when death began to close in, my family would have nothing of it. And he said, then I decided, as I looked in the twilight years, looking at death's door, that I realized I should have changed myself first. And if I changed myself, I might have influenced my family to change. And if I change my family because of what they saw in me, it just, I could have had an impact on my country. And if I had an impact because I'm a changed person, I could have had an impact on the world. The greatest asset and gift that you have is the change that Jesus Christ has made in you. And may I encourage you, do not look back to what you once were. Look ahead to what God has in your potential in your future, my friend. Grasp it and say, I deserve to be on the field of play. Finally, embrace your future. Philippians 3.13, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God has a future. Sometimes we go through seasons and our lives in a season may be nothing but a wreck. There may be seasons that we get it all wrong. There may be seasons when we experience more pain. 
There may be seasons that we look and say to ourselves, you're an idiot. There may be seasons in your life that you look and you think, wow, that was a great time. Everything went well. And life is going to change on you all the time. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to every one of us here. He says, look at your future, not through your success, but look at your future through the potential sight and perspective of Almighty God. What is it that you can do? Out of all that God has chosen to share His glory, He chose the church. And out of all with whom God chose to share eternity, it was you that He chose to share eternity with. It's no wonder that Paul said, I'm reaching forward to those things God has for me. This is only a season in my life. One day I will spend eternity with Almighty God. And his eyes are not on those things behind, but he's saying, I want you to keep your eyes on the ribbon at the finish line. So God, I'm going to give it all I've got. I know that I have a limp because of a season that crippled me. And I know that my mind sometimes has worry because of times that I've been slapped around. But here's one thing I do know. I'm not going to let anything in my past get in front of me. I'm going to keep my eyes on who you are. I'm going to keep my eyes on the creation that you made in me and believe that you have a divine purpose in my life that I am yet to see. Friend, what you see now is not all there is. At the end of the great game tonight, somebody's going to get the trophy. There's only going to be one winner. I just had a thought. I wonder how many chicken wings are going to be eaten tonight. That'd be an unbelievable process. But you have to believe that that future is the potential that God has. David Castevens of the Dallas Morning News um, tells of a story about Frank Samansky of Notre Dame in the 1940s who had been called as a witness Frank had in a civil trial in South Bend, Indiana. And the judge asked Frank Samansky, he said, are you a Notre Dame football player on the team this year? And Frank answered, yes, your honor. What position do you play, son? I play center. He said, how good a center are you? Samansky squirmed in his seat and said firmly, sir, I'm the best center Notre Dame has ever had. Coach Frank Leahy who was in the courtroom, was surprised. He was the coach to Frank Samansky, and he got him after the settlement of the judge. He got with Samansky, and Samansky had always been modest and unassuming and just wasn't the right answer, he thought, from him. So he said, hey, how could you make such a statement that you're the best center Notre Dame has ever had? And Samansky said, well, Coach, I hated to do it. But he said, after all, I was under oath. I had to tell the truth. You and I, if you leave with one point, are under divine appointment. God will breathe on you and give you divine authority with divine anointing.
And when you, under oath, under the anointing, say, God, I'm so grateful that you look ahead of me and my future and my steps that's not related to my past. And I'm claiming the ability to thrive in my life, in my future. I'm looking forward to the blessings being fulfilled. And God, I'm setting a victorious example of who I am in you. And Father, that's who I am. I'm taking advantage of the opportunity that you have given to me. And finally, would you stand to your feet? Philippians 3. So, standing on your feet. So let those of us who are spiritually mature say amen. And full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if any respect you have a different attitude of mind, God will make that clear to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that, brethren, together. Follow my example and observe those who live after the pattern we have set before you. Make your life count. Make the game that you're in in the season that you're in. Know that a Holy Spirit anointing is upon you. I asked someone, where you're going to watch the Super Bowl? Oh, I'm going over to so-and-so's house, and we're going to have pizza, and we're going to have peach cobbler and bluebell ice cream. It's going to be wonderful. I'll tell you who that is if you have any interest. And then I asked someone else, what are you going to watch the Super Bowl? And that person responded, well, with me, myself, and I. Just me. Two different opposites. Two different opposites. But may I tell you something? That whether you're in a crowded room, or whether you're home by yourself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has a plan just for you. And one day we're going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's allow him to charge us with divine unction. And let's do not miss the opportunity that is before us because I truly believe and I've said it to some of you over and over again the best is yet to come do you believe it and in the words of Joel Osteen do you receive it amen Heavenly Father we thank you now for the abundance of your grace and we pause now to be certain that we cover all the bases you might be in this room and you may not have plugged into the Lord. You've created so much failure, you don't even feel like you're saved. And those of you listening online, you might think, wow, I don't, I don't even know that I'm right with Jesus. But just in case, let's take a moment to get it right. If you humble your heart and you're sincere, when you pray after me, God will do a miracle in your heart and in your life. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus. I thank you for forgiving me. Please take my heart. I confess my sins and I believe by faith you are forgiving me. So help me live to the potential 
that you have in my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering, everybody. Amen. All right. Turn to your neighbor, give them a great handshake, and tell them you appreciate them being here tonight. And Say, go Rams. God bless. Place and feel the eye.